Welcome to the Reverse Selling Podcast, where real estate agents, salespeople, and entrepreneurs come to learn the best tactics and strategies to grow their business. Hosted by the creator of the Reverse Selling Methodology, Brandon Morinan. Hey, hey, you guys, it's Tuesday. I'm Trisha Turner. This is Anything But Average, Achieving Success in Life. I've got my friend Brandon with me today, y'all, and he's going to deliver some amazing content. If you don't know Brandon, you definitely need to be following him. He's all over YouTube. He's all over social media. Why? Because he's delivering content like crazy to real estate agents, mortgage professionals, and really anybody that's trying to grow a business. So welcome, Brandon. Thank you so much, Trisha. I've been looking forward to this and uh, always enjoy our time together. So I'm really fired up to, to jump into it today with the audience. Me too. Now, you guys that don't know Brandon, I do, and I've been following him. He and I talked, we've never met face to face, but our first conversation was probably like a year ago. And just, I'm a super big fan of his. I've learned from him. I know everybody that follows him has learned. But for people that don't know Brandon, let's give them a little bit of your backstory. Like, where are you in the world? When did you start real estate? What are you doing? Let's kind of lead everybody into that. Yeah, beautiful. So I am in uh, a suburb of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, been in the industry now for almost 17 years. Trisha, I started off uh, as a mortgage loan officer for the first half of my career at Quicken Loans. And, oh, I uh, know that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I owe a lot to that company for who I am today. I mean, the leadership at that company, starting from nothing to growing the largest mortgage company on earth, bigger than Chase, bigger than Wells Fargo, bigger than the big banks, with somebody that just like you and I, Trisha, started a mortgage company. And so so my experience at that company, I, I, I really owe a lot to that company on, on who I am today. It's where I met my wife. I mean, so I owe a lot to that company. So started off as a mortgage loan officer. Then I started to go through their leadership development program, started leading teams, leading uh, training, coaching, and development at that company. Then when they launched their real estate division, I, le I, I uh, led their real estate division. Wow. Then, yeah, so, which was really a great experience. I bet. Which led me into the real estate business um, where I built a, a, a mega team at Keller Williams. And then I started coaching and training real estate agents about six years ago all over the country. And through coaching real estate agents, I said, wow, I really love this. It's what I did in my corporate world at Quicken Loans was training, coaching, and development, leadership development, things of that nature. And so through that, um, said, why don't we launch a brokerage? Because I believe a brokerage is nothing more than a coaching and training business with a brokerage license, or at least that's what a brokerage should be, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of them are not, but that's what they should be. And so we launched Brookstone Realtors about two and a half years ago. We're a 100% commission uh, concept brokerage. And in just two and a half years, we've grown to about 250 agents. Uh, we'll do about a billion dollars in sales this year. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Learned a lot in the journey, of course. And, and, my, and my goal now is to help people benefit from all the mistakes I've made in my 17-year career and help people live their, their best lives in their career through a process of communication that I call reverse selling. Okay, so we're, I'm going to back up a little bit because I did not know that you had started at Quicken Loans. So that was shocking to me. I was a lender too for six years, not with Quicken. So you, I don't know about how you feel about Quicken now, but here in Houston, we don't like Quicken. Like when we are looking at deals, you know, when Quicken's the lender on the other side of them, we're like, yeah, no, you got to get, you have to use our preferred lender. Tell me about that. Why does Quicken have such a bad name? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's interesting, right? I mean, I think that's the same kind of sentiment that a lot of real estate agents uh, have across the country, regardless of market. I, I think that, you know, we, we talk a lot about disruption in, in different industries. Well, if you think about what Quicken has done in the mortgage industry, they are the the first and only company that has been able to scale the mortgage process to be an online experience from start to finish without having the local brick and mortar in every state across the country. And not only that, they've, they are now the number one mortgage company in the world. People don't like that. No. So, 
they don't like that. They no. so it's funny, you know. I think you know a lot of people are fighting EXP right now because they're going virtual. They don't like that. You can you can argue like, oh, they don't have a great name. It's being like it's. I think what happens is when you become successful, you automatically get a target on your back, okay. and. I think that's the biggest part of this whole thing with Quicken, like the perception of it. Because if you look at, if you remove the emotion and you look at the analytics of like how many mortgages Quicken writes in comparison to Bob on the side of the street on the corner, <laughs> I mean, it's astronomical I how bet. much more experience they have, how much better processes they have. Like it's insane their technology. They built all their own tech. Um, at the same point, I think. From a realtor's perspective, to answer your question, what we like as real estate agents is being able to pick up the phone and call our loan officer that we've been doing business with for 20 years or 10 years or five years or whatever, um, and be able to get information quickly. And when you deal with a large company, there's a lot of corporate bureaucracy, there's a lot of red tape, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of voices, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, the reality is. It's who Quicken has become is like this big mammoth of a company with 40,000 employees. And so you can't just pick up the phone and call your loan officer anymore. And so that personal touch has, has I think, something they need to work on. But I think that's the, the, the why. Because a mortgage through Quicken, I think people get scared because they don't have the control oh, yeah. I think they have when you deal with your 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 local lender who can just call the underwriter, who can just call the appraisal company, who can just talk to the, you know, I think that experience is what makes realtors real nervous. You know, I'm going to grab something that you just said there. So I'm a big believer in the real estate industry and us being like such a huge force in the economy. You just said Quicken has 40,000 employees. So when you think about that, think about the impact, the families that are impacted by their business and their volume and how much of a big difference they're making here. in my company, what I'm constantly talking about is like our preferred partners. And, you know, when inventory got super tight a year ago and we've all been going through this crazy market in the last year, it was like, you know, the average agent can become complacent or fear sets in. They don't know what to do. How do I get listings? I can't get any inventory. There's no sales. I mean, some people are really struggling and have been. And it shows through the National Association of Realtors that 47% of real estate agents haven't sold a home since COVID, which That's I right. believe, you know, and it's yeah. like, when you look at that, that's startling. But for people like you and I that are builders, it just makes like for me, for certainly, and I know you're the same way, it makes us more intentional on making sure that the people that we're surrounded with and that we're working with are producing because at the end of the day, if you decide, I don't feel like doing this anymore or I don't feel like grinding. And I decide that not only do all the families that we impact suffer, but the movers and the insurance people and the lenders and title, and it goes on and on cleaners and landscape and painters. And people don't realize that. And when I sit in and I explain that to them, I'm like in, in our world for us to stop and for us to be lazy and not feel like selling houses or teach our agents how to sell, it affects 26 other industries. That's and right. You think about that and what a driving force we are in the economy. I think it's critical that people like you and I are out there every day grinding just to help others. And yeah, 100% agree. And, you know, I think the other thing, you know, with the question that you asked me about, like, wh why people's feel the way they feel about, like, Quicken yeah. is the same thing. I think real estate agents, here's the reality in anything in life, Tricia. Like again, as you as you rise to the top, I, I experienced the exact same thing when I was uh, the top agent at my brokerage before I owned a brokerage. People didn't like me very much, you know, uh, and I think that's just a natural evolution of people. I call it the mirror effect. When they see a Trisha Turner rise to the top and they're not rising, well, because of their insecurity, because they haven't been able to do that themselves. This is like where the haters come out. Well, Trisha yes. Turner, she's a you know what, and oh, yeah. you know, well, because they can't handle the mirror on themselves because they are not the ones that take the risk. They're not willing to invest in radio. They're not willing to do what Trisha has done. So therefore, the mirror turns inward, makes them feel all the pain of the world, and therefore we can't handle it. And so we're going to spew venom to the world about those people. And so I think it's a natural thing to have that target on your back as you continue to level up, as your business becomes more and more successful. Yeah. Uh, people can't help 
you know, when, when, when people leave the herd, like Robin Sharma says, the herd don't like it. It's like crabs trying to leave. Crabs will kill each other if one tries to leave the box. You know, they'll rip their legs off. It's a massive, crazy thing. And humans are the same way. When we see one elevate, the herd tries to pull you down. So anyway. Yeah. I love that. I was at a mastermind over the weekend. Um, John Sheplock was actually teaching and he said it's right. something that made such sense. He's like, you guys in the room, because it was a thing for, you know, team leaders and brokers and stuff. And he's like, you guys, do you have what you have to understand is that you you volunteered for this position. You know, you raised your hand and you said that you were going to lead people and you were going to teach them. And it, it's a huge responsibility. And you know what they say? There's only five percent of the world that are leaders. The rest are followers. And so when people like you and I get together because we're in that five percent group it's like the energy is there it's like you just want to keep talking because we just we're alike you know and it's That's the coolest right. thing ever i love it i do too and you're right it's it's i think what we get so excited about is we're not used to being surrounded by the five percent all the time because we're the ones i think having to lead others which is a drain on energy so that when we can pull from each other's energy i think is the thing that really uh makes us excited I love it. So I want to kind of talk through because again, you're all over YouTube. You're constantly teaching content. I mean, anybody can find you on YouTube, a new agent, a seasoned agent, someone, a broker, anyone that's been in business forever and still learn from you every day. So where did that passion come from? Because surely you didn't just wake up one day and be like, you know what? I want to create a YouTube channel and teach and, and help agents. How did, where did that come from and why? Yeah, great question. Uh, the the big motivation, Tricia, around that is it comes from so much bad advice being given in our industry. That's where it comes from. We have, you know, as we're making this this video today, we probably have somewhere around 1.5, 1.6 million real estate agents that are licensed with NAR. Now, the unfortunate truth that you and I see year after year is the vast majority of them failing out of the business, right? Oh, yeah. Some people say 87%. Some people say 90, 91, 90, the, the vast majority. The turnover in real estate is unlike any industry in the world. And when you have almost all of the licensees failing out and then new ones coming in, it's this constant thing, right? So almost, almost the entire industry fails out every year. And so we have to bring new ones in. And I think that is a byproduct of a couple things. Number one is the way real estate is set up, the way brokerages are set up, the way the associations are set up, it benefits them to sell people on getting into the industry and not telling them the truth. And telling them the truth is this. I believe, Tricia, that real estate is a direct outbound sales business. That's what I believe. The industry and HGTV and Selling Sunset and Million Dollar Listing and NAR and all these people make this industry uh, uh, appear very sexy, oh, yeah. very easy to make money. Yeah. And it is by far the hardest business I've ever been a part of. It is by far the hardest business to make money. Why? Because unlike the mortgage business, where every single person that owns a home can be a client because you can refinance them, unlike the insurance business, everyone that owns a car or a house, you can write an insurance policy. People are only moving every 7, 10, 12 years. So real estate transactions are hard to find. So we set bad expectations for people getting into the industry. Now, when we get into the industry, this is the other problem brokerages and NAR and memberships and boards and MLSs, how do they get paid? They get paid through dues. They get paid because agents stay. So they're scared to tell the realtors the truth about what it takes to succeed in fear of, Trisha them leaving the business. Yep. So if you and I owned a board and we get paid our membership boards every month, if we told them the truth and they quit, that would hurt us. So therefore, we can't tell them the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is, you must learn how to sell. You must prospect every single day. You must make video content. You must go meet people. You must network to have a chance to succeed. Well, what do everybody in this industry not want to do? Well, I don't want to make phone calls. I don't want to do any of that. I want to sit back, wait yes. for people to call me 
that want to buy and sell a home. And the reality is it's never going to happen. Waiting for business is never going to happen, period. Period. And, and people keep buying into this lie that they can just post a little bit on social media, wait around, you know, and, and business is just going to come to me. Oh, yeah. That is crap. It's yeah. a lie. We have to stop accepting this. We have to tell people the truth. It's a very difficult business. You need to learn how to prospect. You need to learn how to lead generate. You need to learn how to build a business. You need to learn how to uh, build a pipeline, how to build yeah. relationships, how to follow up, how to present, how to negotiate contracts, more about learning the industry and being a real estate expert. I mean, these are all the things that are very hard. And yeah. so, so, so therefore, the answer to the question is, I said enough is enough. We have got to get the truth out. We have to remove the BS. We've got to give people the truth so they have a real chance at succeeding in this industry, hitting their goals and their dreams and providing for their family. All right. And that was like a whole lot of information. So you guys that are paying attention, you see how passionate he is. You see his energy with that. Everything that he said is 1000% true. So I'm guessing that when you got your real estate license and you began, Nobody helped you. Nobody showed you, hey, these things, is this is what you must do. What was it that made you figure all that out? Was it just you grinding and, and every single day or did you join a team? What was it that led you to figure this out? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, number one, go back to how I started. Remember, I told you I give a lot of credit to the company that I grew up with yeah. at Quicken Loans. So let me put something in perspective. At Quicken, we were taught how to sell and we were held accountable, listen closely audience, we were held accountable to six, seven hours of talk time per day on the telephone. If you didn't, you were fired, period. So wow. now I come from this world of like high levels of accountability, high levels of execution. We get into a real estate that has a lack of accountability, a lack of execution. I just did the same thing it, that I thought was normal, Trisha, as a young guy, I'm like, I'm getting into a sales business. It's normal to be on the phone four, five, six, seven hours per day. That's normal, right? For the yes. amount of money that I want to make. Yes. So I did that. It wasn't until later I found out that realtors don't work. They don't prospect. They don't pick up the phone. They don't do shit. No. So it wasn't until later that I found that out. So uh, my first full year, I sold over a hundred homes. I my love that. Year, yeah. And so that was number one is, is I was, I benefited from an industry on how I, I learned how to sell. I learned what this, what it meant to be a salesperson. Number two, I had a coach before I even had a license. Oh, wow. You, you see, here's the other thing. Most real estate people look at coaching as like an expense. They look at it, coaching as like, oh, I don't know if I can afford that. Listen, here, here's the reality. Success in anything is very simple. Go find somebody who's already accomplished what you want to accomplish and have them show you how to do it, period. That's what coaching is, right? So coaching is going to help you get there a lot faster. They're going to cut the learning curve. They're going to hold you accountable. So that's number two. Then number three is I created a success formula. And the success formula has four parts. It's your mindset. Mm -hmm. times your skill plus action plus accountability. Yep. These are the four things that uh, I really went all in on that is a byproduct of the success that you know people have or that maybe I have today. I love that. And so I'm a big believer in mindset too. So just tell everybody how you start your day. I'm curious to know too. What's the beginning of your day look like? Yeah. So beginning of the day, uh, wake up. Okay. On time early, 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 early. Okay. Early. Uh, typically I'm, I'm between five 30 and 6am and that morning is so peaceful. It's, it's where you can really spend a lot of time with yourself without the phone blowing up, without emails, without people calling you, without people just, you know, uh, uh, distracting you. Yep. So we wake up early. Then we've got to sweat. Yes, it's great for the physical, but it's better for the mental. Releasing right uh, serotonin, releasing uh, endorphins, releasing uh, dopamine, releasing all of the things that make us feel good. 
Then I'm going to pour into what I believe education should be. So that might be a podcast, that might be a book, that might be an audio book. Right now I'm going through the one thing again from Gary Keller. Yeah, probably the 14th, 15th time. Um, And then a cold shower, cold shower. The ice cold shower is the thing that, and so you can work up to it, right? I always have my coaching clients work up to it, but the cold shower in the morning, Trisha, allows us to do a couple things. Number one, it's been proven to be extremely beneficial for our internal health, our organs, uh, and then the mindset of it. Putting yourself in pain first thing in the morning allows you to take on the day because if you win the morning, you win the day, right? So if you can crush the morning, you can win the battle of the bed, you can win the battle of the mind, you can sweat, you can take the cold shower, everything else becomes easy for the rest of the day. And so in addition to the cold shower, I'm going to do my highest priority activities, the things that move the needle the most. We're going to take Brian Tracy's advice from Eat That Frog, yep. and we are going to crush the highest uh, priorities in our business first thing. We're going to remove those. We're going to get everything done before noon, and then mm-hmm. after 12 noon, we can we can be a little bit more flexible. I love that. I swear, when you and I talked for the first time a year ago, I knew we were like two peas in a pod. I have the exact same morning routine. I get up a little early. I'm up at 4, 3, 3.45. But so I have a different, but it just starts early. But I do everything that you do except for that cold shower. I got to think about that one. I've not done that one. I hate the cold. So it's like, woo, I don't know about that. Well, hold on. So that's the point, right? So I think most people operate, they're avoiding pain. But like Darren Hardy talks about, there's something called the pain pendulum. Can I share this with you real quick? Yes, please. Yeah, the the pain pendulum states that uh, people in their comfort zone only experience a little bit of pain. So they only get a little bit of success or pleasure. So what we can do is we can control the amount of pain we put ourselves in, right? We can control going to the gym or not. We can control skipping the donut or not. We can control waking up early or sleep or, or, or not. We can control prospecting or not. We can control lead follow-up or not, so on and so forth. This is pushing on the side of pain. And what happens is the more we push on this side of the pendulum, what happens then? It in equilibrium comes back on this side of success. So the cold shower, because we don't like it, that's the point, is to put ourselves in more pain. This is increasing our pain tolerance, which is what we need to reach the top of our pinnacle. We have to be able to to withstand pain to get to where we want to go because we all know that the path of success requires massive amounts of pain. So instead of avoiding the pain, we've got to run towards the pain. Yep. And through on the other side of the pain is all the pleasure. That is insane. Hope you guys are taking lots of notes. I told y'all Brandon's going to drop some total knowledge on you guys and wisdom. I love this. How long have you been doing the cold shower thing? Uh, Probably probably four years, I would say now. Time. Yeah. Made a difference, huh? I can't even explain it. It's it's life changing, and everyone I tell it to in the beginning, they 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 just it's almost they laugh at it in the beginning. Then they start to do it, and then they'll text me a couple months like it changed my entire life. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Now I want to talk about coaching because I'm a big believer in coaching too, and I agree with you. People they don't want to spend the money, they don't see the value, and it's like it's a game changer. Why do you want like for me? I you know was a lender for years, went through the mortgage industry crash, went through a divorce. It was like a whole all a bunch of stuff happened in 2010, and I was like, I got three kids, I got to take care of my kids. I'm just going head first. No one ever talked to me about coaching. I didn't know anything about it. So I was just a grinder. I was just, I did it by a couple of different ways. You can prospect, which you should be doing every single day, but you can also buy leads. So I did both because I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. So I maxed out a credit card and just started buying leads and on the phone. And I worked seven days a week and I made a lot of money my very first year, much, much like you. And it's like that stuff was just drilled into me from day one. But then once I learned about the coaching thing and hiring a coach, it was like, that changed my life. 
yeah. changed my life, changed, opened up doors, opened up relationships that I had never had before. It was like, I, what I thought was the vision for my life and what I thought was an income goal was like nothing that changed dramatically after yeah. the first year. It's like, it keeps making you level up. And then with certain degrees of success, you know, I know a lot of people that have had the same coach for years, but then sometimes you outgrow your coach and you're like, yeah, I don't really need any more sales training. Now I need more leadership training. I need to know more how to run the business and scale. So I believe that with every business, you've got different levels. I know from everything that I've learned from you and just talking with you, you are a massive um, teacher and they say the best learners are the best teachers. Where did some of your first coaching come from when you were getting coached yourself? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think from a lot of places, I think you're right. I think that first and foremost, I think accepting the fact that you have to you have to be coachable in order to be a good leader, be a good coach yourself. So what that means is dropping the ego, releasing of the ego, and to say, okay, surrender to the fact that you don't know it all. And that's step number one. And then you, once you've opened your eyes, because I think in my experience, Trisha, is people have a very hard time letting go of the ego subconsciously because they don't want to be vulnerable and admit that they need help, right? Because yeah. that takes a lot of guts. You know, it takes a lot to be vulnerable. And it's okay because once you release and surrender to that, you feel like the weight is off of you. Show me the way. Like, I, I, I'm just, I'll do what you tell me to do. Um, so, so coaching for me has come from many, many different avenues, right? It's, it's whether that be me uh, hiring a one on one intimate coach at the highest level. Or, or reading books or going to seminars or podcasts or uh, from a lot of different areas. My belief about coaching is that coaching and training are two different things, however. And I believe training is the transformation uh, or the, uh, of, of information, right? It's the transfer of information from one person to another. That's training. Beautiful. To yeah. me, coaching is the implementation or the accountability of the information. And so that's, to me, where the real value is in receiving or delivering coaching is human beings left on our own will always do less than when we are being watched. Always. Oh, totally. Always. It is how we are biologically wired. We are we are wired to take the path of least resistance because our brains want to keep us out of pain. And we just yep. talked about pain. So the coach puts us in pain and the coach uh, requires you to do what you say you're going to do. Humans will always be able to do more when they're held accountable because if you leave them alone, they're just not going to do it, period. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so to me, coaching, a good coaching relationship means that uh, whether you're delivering the coaching or getting the coaching is to get you to do, yes. to actually do what you won't do on your own. I love that. And it's spot on. You're so right. Okay. So then it makes me wonder. It makes me question just because I want to know more. I'm always like, tell me more. So you have this amazing real estate career, over 100 homes in your first year, which is insane. And then to keep growing it, then have your own brokerage. During all of that time, did you ever envision, because you guys, he has a coaching company too. Did you ever envision that you would be a coach and have this coaching company like you do now? Was that you part know what? of it? It's funny. Yes. The answer to that is yes. Actually, okay. I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, in fifth grade math class, I was going to be a teacher. Wow. I, had a, I had a great math teacher and um, I envisioned my life getting married, having kids, being a math teacher and being the football coach at the school that I worked at. This was the vision, Trisha, in fifth grade. <laughs> so, I love it. Yeah. So fast forward. I didn't, it wasn't until later that I found out teachers, unfortunately, don't make any money. They should be getting paid a lot more than they do. Um, but yeah, my whole goal, my whole life was to teach others. It's just who I am is to coach others. And um, for a lot of different reasons, but I think that, you know, to be a coach is probably the most satisfaction that I've ever gotten out of my career ever. Because if you think about it, it's, it's what parenting is, you know? Mm -hmm. It really is what it is, is to 
develop other people to help them avoid landmines to get the best out of people that again if you look at the human biology we are built to avoid pain this is how we survived for thousands and thousands of years was like not getting eaten by predators right like we had to avoid these things well fast forward to where we are today a great coach is somebody who can get greatness from somebody that they can't get on their own a lot of self-limiting beliefs a lot of bad self-image a lot of bad mindset how we were raised you know and so a great coach can pull greatness from people that they cannot pull from themselves and through that is is you know a lot of uh gratifying you know career experiences that i've been able to get from it so I want to talk about that because I believe that too. I believe that when you change people's lives like you are, because here's the truth. The truth of the matter is I don't care what real estate company you're at, whether it's a big box company, whether it's an independent, whatever it is, they don't really train you very much. And there's a, usually only a small group of agents at that brokerage that are actually selling. The rest don't sell crap. Yep. So the average agent that's top producer in one of these companies isn't usually sharing what they're doing because you're a yep. competitor. And so unfortunately, the average agent out there is left alone and they don't know how to be successful. And when they get in touch with a coach like you, who's a real coach, then you change their lives. Because here's what I believe. I believe that everybody tries to put that coach label on them. They're a life coach, a sales coach. It's like, really, what have you done? Because I tell people all the time, you need to pay attention to who you're paying attention to. Yep. If somebody has not been in the trenches, if somebody has not done what you want to do, you shouldn't even be listening to them because they don't have a clue period, period, period. i love it so much <laughs> look at you dropping value in your own podcast <laughs> yeah that, i mean you, you nailed it i mean everything you just said you and i philosophically are just so aligned it I is know. absolutely incredible brokers are not you're right remember i told you at the beginning of the show everybody the broker's job is to coach develop agents they can't why most people that are running brokerages, just like Trisha said, have not succeeded selling real estate in high volume. Otherwise, they wouldn't be a broker manager. They right. wouldn't be doing that. That's a $50,000 a year job. Selling yeah. real estate, you can make 500, 800, a million, $2 million selling. So the brokerages are not set up that way. We have to make sure that who we're taking advice from, and I don't mean any disrespect, but like, your broker that's giving you advice that's never sold 100, 200, 400, 800 homes a year. I mean, I believe most people got in this industry to make a lot of money. That's what I believe in my heart. I believe that when people said, I want to be a real estate agent, they didn't say, well, I want to make a little bit of money. I, I believe they wanted to make a nice living. Well, unfortunately, you're right. I mean, the people running these brokerages, all, there's tens of thousands of them, right? I mean, the advice that's being given, we go back to that that I talked about 10 minutes ago is like, it's just bad advice, you know, sitting around bad waiting, advice. waiting yeah. for business is not going to get people closer to their goals. No. And I think when you have a coach that's giving you, because really there's only, and to be successful in real estate, like you said, it's down to the basics. You know, you have to oh, do the work. Okay. You got to make the calls. You got to be talking. You got to do video. You have to have relationships, period. If you're not talking to people, you're not selling houses. That's how it works. And you people don't want to do that day in, day out work. When you look at the average real estate agent, if they were actually to monitor their time for the entire week, Monday through just Friday, you would see that very few of them actually work even 20 hours when you look at their actual work time, which is sad, super it's, sad. It's terrible. I mean, I say it all the time with, with people that I coach. If I fly into your city, if I fly into Houston with a stopwatch and I follow you around for five days, at the end of the week, we videotape the entire week and you put that in front of your family, would they be proud or would they be disappointed? Most people cannot be trusted to be in real estate because we're 1099 independent contractors. We're going to do what we want to do. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'm my own boss. And that is the reason why people are failing left and right because left on our own, people will fail period. They need accountability. People try to run to real estate because we don't want to be held accountable. No. It's the very thing that is required to, to win. That's the secret, right? Yeah. In a world, in an industry, Tricia, where there is no accountability, the yeah. ones like you and I that are being held accountable to the highest level are the ones making all the money. So yeah. all of you watching, all the realtors, stop running away from accountability change your relationship with accountability and go seek out and embrace it. That is what every high achiever, every person at the top of their pinnacle will tell you. They've got somebody holding them accountable to do the things they don't want to do. 
And here's yeah. the other secret. I don't want to do it either. Top performers don't want to do it. Just like you don't want to do it. We just do it anyways. That's right. Because we have to. That's right. Because that's how you succeed. I, okay. So I want to ask you then. I'm a big believer in innovation. And I believe industries change and disruption comes. And I see it. And you see it. We all see it. Anybody that's studying the market and studying the history of real estate sees it. So I believe it's critical more so now than ever for agents to be trained at an expert level. What's your thoughts on the future of real estate and the average agent? where they're going. Yeah, I so it starts off so so it starts off with broker to agent agent to consumer, okay? So there's all the tech companies pouring billions and billions of dollars into uh like Zillow as an example, right? You and I were talking about this off air, like Redfin. People like Amazon, people investing billions to change the relationship Trisha between agent and consumer. Yep. Commissions are getting pressed. Well, I think the same thing is going to happen between broker and agent. I believe, I believe right here on your podcast, so everyone can hear it. Yep. I really, really believe that your traditional brokerage is in massive trouble. Massive, massive know. trouble. The relationship between the agent and the broker who provides no value and asking for, for 30, 40, 50% of the commission, I, I just believe those are going to be extinct. Because realtors, for the most part, because of everything, everything we've talked about, they're getting coached outside their brokerage, right? They're getting mentored outside the brokerage. And more times than not, realtors that succeed is not because of what they've learned inside the brokerage, but outside the brokerage. The value exchange didn't happen inside. And so that magnifying glass on real estate commissions between agent and consumer there's a magnifying glass on commissions being charged at the broker level to agent. And I just can't see an agent giving up like the Coldwell bankers and like the Century 21s, these old models of giving up 50% of your commission for what? I think right. those are going to go extinct. I, do I too. really, really believe because there's no world that it makes sense for an agent to do that anymore. No. And when you look, okay, let's go off of what you just said. When you're talking about the tech companies, like you and I were talking about and these big companies that are coming, they got a crap ton of money to spend yeah. in marketing. They're hitting our consumers every which way they can possibly do. And when you look at the Gary Greens and the Call of Bankers and yeah. even Century 21, right. I think that they're laughable. And I really believe that it's a disgrace that they're taking that much commission from the agents and providing them no value or That's any right. kind of training for the future for to fight against what's coming towards them. Yeah, and I will add in the the way those companies, um, the commission structure those companies have with their agents, the reason why they don't have any value, it's because of teams, the birth of the teams. The yes. teams have the same splits those companies have, but provide way more value. <laughs> and so that's what it's supposed to be. So back, let's, let's rewind uh, 50 years. You and I go to Coldwell Banker. We were given the same thing teams like you give your agents today. They were given an office. They were given administrative support. They were giving uh, marketing support, transaction coordination, uh, hands-on mentorship. They were get their all their expenses were covered. So it made sense to split your commission 50-50 with the brokerage. Well, what's happened is fast forward 50 years a Coldwell Banker. I don't want to pick on Coldwell Banker, but I'm just saying you got to change your business model, Coldwell Banker. You can't keep charging 50-50 to your agents and then drop all the value. No. It's not going to last. I love what you just did. You're so real. And you have to be because yeah. here's the deal. Like nothing's scripted. Nothing's rehearsed. Like this is a podcast. This is real. We're in your face. This is what's happening in the world. Why are we doing this? And I was saying this to my team yesterday. Like there's times in just being real. There's times when it's a lot to run a mega team. It's a lot to run a brokerage. It's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of expense. And sometimes it's like, do I really even feel like doing this? Because my life would be a lot simpler if I just dropped back and had this little team and That's right. a million dollars a year. And it was very profitable, profitable. But you know what? If I do that, how many families are affected? How many agents are yeah. affected? Because I chose to be lazy and complacent. So we have to get out there, Brandon, and be like, look, you guys, if y'all don't freaking get your head out of your ass and pay attention to what's coming at you and get yourself aligned with the right coaches, the right companies, the right teams, you're going to be gone in two to five years, period. Now, yes, and I agree. And I'll also add this. I believe the the thing that can save this industry is what I'm about to say. 
I believe that this industry needs to really consider having a standard for entry and a standard for keeping your license. We have, we have, we, 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 if we're going to save the industry and Mm -hmm. there's going to be realtors in 40 years from now, there has to be a standard for what it means to be a real estate agent. Yeah. It can't just be a 40-hour weekend class that you take online in your underwear and then, <laughs> oh, you're a realtor. And, right. then, and then and then you just watch a show and say, oh, babe, I want to be a real estate agent and dress up and look sexy and cute and sell one house a year and you get to stay in the industry because it's all these people that are ruining the names of realtors. That's why in all the consumer reports, we rank under used car salesmen, under. Under we're at the bottom of the totem pole because we have so many bad real estate agents in the industry, and they're not professional, they're not experts, they do not know what they're doing, they're screwing up transactions, and they're giving us a very, very, very bad name. I think we need because let's if we had half the realtors we have now with the amount of transactions we have staying the same, it'd be a lot better for the consumer. They'd get better service, higher level of service, and the people in the industry, it would be just so much better for us. If we had about 700,000 realtors and we kept transactions around 6 million, I think that'd be a beautiful thing. I think that NAR could even charge more money for their memberships because it's like you got real professionals and let's get the hobbyists out of here. You know, that's just my opinion. Well, I'm going to go right even deeper with that. So when you're talking about that, I, I'm with you 1,000% on all of that. I also believe that they all need to increase their dues. It shouldn't be so cheap to go to real estate school. It shouldn't be so cheap, cheap to That's join right. local MLS. If you start charging thousands of dollars for that stuff, you're going to weed out a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch. Yeah, and I think you got to have a minimum. Like you got to sell at least a house a month to stay relevant. If you don't, you lose your license. I love that. that I, cool. You need to get on your soapbox and talk about that one. Well, it's I just, it. I mean, yeah. So anyway, I, I, I mean, this is so fun. I mean, we can just talk <laughs> about all these different things, but yeah, I mean, I think that what it means to be a real, I mean, I think that's why the consumers have such more respect for, let's just call it an attorney or a doctor yes. because the barrier to entry is so much higher. And these people have such a level of, of professionalism that we don't have, you know, you got realtors running around like, you know, idiots. just un- idiots, unprofessional <laughs> idiots. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk because I know we're going to run out of time. So I want to talk, you guys, Brandon's written a book. And so that's on one of my bucket list items too, is to write a book. I just, I, I'm going to say it. It's an excuse, but I don't have the time or I'm not taking the time. It's not a priority right now. So I, yeah. it's not a commitment. Brandon's done it. Um, and we're all going to to hopefully get copies of that or you're going to have access to get a copy of that soon. Brandon, talk to me about that book. Why write a book? What's the basis of the book? And walk me through that. Yeah. So so the book is the premise of the book is kind of like the theme, I think, of this podcast, which is like so much bad advice being given. And and so what I want to do is write a book on what I believe it means to be a salesperson. Because outside of real estate, Trisha, I think most people have a negative, negative mindset to what it means to be a salesperson. Or when people think of a salesperson, I think overall it's a negative thing. It is. Right? Because traditionally speaking, salespeople have pressured the consumer to do things that they maybe shouldn't do. The way that sales training has been done is teaching salespeople how to pressure people to close the sale, apply pressure, overcome their objections, hammer them. Yes. Well, well, I believe the exact opposite. I believe in, in what reverse selling is, is a methodology of selling, Tricia, that positions you as the obvious choice with your prospect without ever having to convince them of it. And we do this by asking Socratic style questions that lead the consumer to make their own decision, their own decision based on a strategy of self-discovery. So this is where we have to, again, talking about an industry. Now we're talking about the sales industry. I don't care if you're a pharmaceutical sales rep or you're a realtor or, or it doesn't matter what you do. We have to change the way we sell in order for salespeople, Trisha, to gain back the respect from the consumer 
as a trusted advisor, as a trusted consultant, which is what we want to be, right? Yeah. Build a relationship with the client. Well, in order to do that, in order to make that statement true, we have to learn how to sell to the consumer in a way that the that the uh, uh, that we're no longer the enemy. That salespeople are no longer the enemy. That is the premise of the book. So the book will teach you my reverse selling methodology on how to do just that. I love everything that you just said because you know there's most people that believe you got to close, you got to do this objection handling. They focus on that and you lose the relationship. You know, when I go back and even listen to some of my own agents' calls, I'm like, oh my gosh, they didn't even build any rapport whatsoever. They just straight in for a close, and it's horrible, and it makes me so angry. Your book. So, how long did it take you to write this thing? About two years to put all the thoughts together in a way that is digestible. So in my mind, like I have, I I have notes written everywhere about things I want to write about. I even have a title already written and I probably did that probably three years ago. And I know like what the topic of the book is going to be about. I can see it all in my head. Your book on reverse selling. Did you always have that topic? Did you know this is what you wanted to write about? Yes. Just like you, how it started was just like you was I had a concept. I knew what I wanted to write about, but then there were all these um, specific things that, I knew I was doing, like I used the strategies, but to teach it, to write about it is very difficult, right? Like it's to to really get thoughts out of your mind and to be able to teach the world, that takes a lot of work, you know, like to, to write a curriculum for like education is very hard work. I bet. You have to deliver it in a way that's transferable. Remember we talked about training. This is the transfer of information. So that's the thing that took all the time to write the book. And, you know, as an example of that, when I tell a salesperson or, or a real estate agent that I train or I coach, and I say, in order to set the appointment with a buyer or a seller, we have to remove the resistance. Well, saying the word remove resistance, that's one thing. Being able to show and tell you how to remove the resistance was the thing that took me so long to do. And that's what I've been doing for two years was putting concepts into practical application. And I think the book does a really nice job of that. So the book that you wrote and you're busy too. So I imagine you've got a time block to get time to actually make this happen because you have a busy life. And again, it's a commitment. It became a priority for you. Your hope with the book, is it safe to assume, and I don't like to assume, but is it safe to assume that the book is kind of like a training manual for all agents or salespeople? 100%. That is exactly what the book is. It is a step-by-step guide for real estate agents to go out there, to teach them how to lead generate, how to prospect, how to communicate, how to sell in a way that allows them to accomplish their goal and serve their clients at the highest level. I love this. How many pages is it? Um, I think the book ended up, it's a short book. It's actually an easy read. Yeah. I think the book is just like over a hundred pages. You know what I'm going to do? I'm, I love that. (laughs) And I didn't think I to just, I'm going to buy a, I'm going to buy because I have a big team and I'm going to make all of my, I'm going to do like a book club. We're going to read your book together because I think there's so number one, I have the utmost respect for you because you're constantly pouring in. Like there's so many haters that are on people that yeah. have a big following like you do and have a big presence. It's like, how can you hate on somebody that is just pouring out knowledge and wisdom, like true stuff, like any consumer or real estate agent that doesn't have the money safe for coaching. Maybe they don't really have the money. They can go on YouTube and watch everything that you've ever created for free exactly. and learn from you. And that is something golden that my my gosh, when I started in real estate, that wasn't there. And that wasn't there. When I you know. Started. No, it wasn't. I wish. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and why we do it. It's changing people's lives, Brandon. Oh, I appreciate that. I mean, it means a lot when you say that, because that's really my, my mission statement for myself is true. I mean, my life is built to change the lives of others. That's why I believe I was put on this earth. Um, and that's what I want to continue to do. Yeah. I was talking about it with another friend of mine yesterday. We were talking about how you talked about coaches, brokers, trainers, and all that. And I said, I don't find value, unfortunately, in a coach that's make not even part of the real estate world anymore. I know. Because 
they don't know what we're going through anymore. The yep. model has changed so much. And I think with you, you've got your brokerage, you've got a team, you're a coach, you you can't get any more involved in real estate. And anybody that doesn't see the value in that is just insane. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you said that earlier in the podcast, I agree. Like to take advice from somebody who hasn't walked in your shoes, I think it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's uh, I, I think you got to really pay attention to who you're taking advice from. 1000%. Hey, Brandon, how can people find more about your coaching program? How can they find your book? When's the book coming out? Yeah, how the book is the book comes out on Monday, August 9th. It'll be on Amazon. Uh, the audio version of the book will be out probably a month later, but you can get the the, the print version August 9th. Uh, you can go to my website, reverseselling.com and learn more about what we're doing. And my YouTube channel is really where I put all my content. You can follow me on Instagram, but YouTube is, is really the platform that I focus on the most. It's like a way for me to express my thoughts and uh, what I think people need to, to learn. And so YouTube is probably the best place. I love that. I'm so proud of you, just so you know, because people can write a book and sometimes, you know, they're books that really don't matter. Sometimes they're ghostwritten, but for you to just pour content out for people, that's such a huge thing for me to have that, to be able to have that here for my agents to, it's a resource. It's a guide. It's like, that's it's right. Like I don't have to sit and put together because I just did a, a 30 day kickstart for them and it was creating video and it's everything you do from opening a lockbox to writing a contract. And it was grueling. It's a it, lot was, of work. I mean, it was yeah. but it's on my shoulders. Now it's like, I did it and I don't have to do it again. You've done a book. And so I can take your book yeah. and give it to my agents and continue building and giving your book out. So thank you for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I appreciate uh, coming on here. I always love the time that we spend together. And and hopefully, people got a lot of value from today's show. And we're looking forward to having you on my show here the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys, this is Brandon. Y'all watch for his book. It's coming out on August the 9th. This is what's the name of the book? Reverse Selling How to Turn Cold Calls into Clients. Okay. Reverse selling. I'm getting it for my entire office. You guys make sure and get it. Look for Brandon on YouTube. He's all over the place. You find him delivering content every single day. I love it. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you so much, Trisha. You guys have a great day. For more tips and advice on how you can grow your business, be sure to follow Brandon on YouTube and Instagram at Brandon Mulrennan.